0: We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense.
1: Purdy rolls right. Looking to throw. Benito gives chase. Comes back left. Purdy still looking. Sets up. Ball's loose. Rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kamiar Murabian, and uh, my co-host, I'm joined by is Stephen Brown. Stephen, how's life, man? How are you today?
0: I'm good. This is my day off, so um, I'm just chilling. I've had a pretty busy week, but fortunately we can make some time right before the the draft coming up here. Um, Obviously a big night for OKC, so we'll knock this podcast out, but it should be pretty fun.
1: I heard, you're, I heard you're in the business of uh, putting stuff up on billboards.
0: Yeah, I'm doing some billboard designs, so I have a couple more days to finalize that. So, But have this you, is a nice little break.
1: Have you, uh, have you ever seen... It's not forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, it's the other one. I love you, man. Have you seen that one with Jason Siegel? I think I've seen it once, but I'm not too familiar with it. Jason Siegel um and Paul Rudd right. are in that one. Obviously at the end, there's uh, there, there are some billboard ideas you could get for that for but that one is for real estate. But <laughs> I just uh, got a
0: weekly report on my computer. So great timing. My screen time's up actually yeah, uh, 289% this week.
1: So I bet your eyes are like are begging. Yeah, I'll be for blind. I like, come back with like glasses. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's and and goodness. These, like, you know, because, like, we stare at screens, obviously, these days, and I wear glasses every year, and I get a yearly a yearly renewal prescription, and I'm supposed to have lenses that filter out blue light, but mm-hmm. it's a scam. It's totally a scam. There's no way. <laughs> like, my eyes feel horrifying, and I have to like put an eye uh, drop. Uh,
0: those necklaces and bracelets they used to sell at the
1: mall, where they're like, hey, put this on. Oh, look, your... It, it improves your red- balance. your your center of gravity it's all it's all there now (laughs) yeah geez all right let's talk about some stuff we have recruiting stuff to get into nil uh talking about a little bit of baseball and playing a little game of this or that and some underrated stuff so all right i know i know steven i know you're not a big baseball guy i'm not a big baseball guy but uh i like being petty i'm a sore winner And, of course, I also covered the game yesterday when OU just needed one singular win against Texas A&M after already previously beating them to advance to the College World Series finals um, against uh, Ole Miss or Arkansas. I don't know who won that game because I haven't been paying attention all day um, because I've just been chilling. But it'll be an all-SEC or all-future SEC matchup. And the Sooners are, uh, they're not even, they're not seated. They're not ranked. And so it's pretty cool though, man, to see this team. Hasn't won a national title since 94. Um, Cade Horton, who I know um, was a former student at Norman High, uh, is a great dude. And they just caught fire and and have been really, 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 really good, especially pitching-wise. Just really cool to have a national title in softball. And then you're like, all right, well, what am I going to do for the next however many months till football season? And then baseball season is just like lurking right behind, you know, just like (laughs) two, three weeks behind. And Oklahoma's right back. The University of Oklahoma's right back in another national title and in another sport, um, just in baseball. And so it makes the summer go by just a little bit more quicker to where you're getting to July. And then you're just getting camp notes out of July. And then next thing you know, it's August and the season's here. So thank you, OU Softball. Um, and not even thank you, OU Softball. I mean, they, they're the ones that have been killing it on the transfer portal trail. I mean, heck, they already got in the player of the year from the Big Ten. They got in a an infielder, I believe, from Arizona State, who is their leadoff batter. And they're possibly in the market for another Arizona State. But this one is their slugger. So people are going to hate Patty Gasso even more, but don't hate <laughs> the player, hate the game. Um, so I, there's no thanks for a softball. That's just, that's just a money-making opportunity there for OU. But baseball, uh, kudos to them for uh, shedding light on something that Oklahomans haven't really seen in a while, which is a really, really good Oklahoma baseball team uh, because I know this state is passionate about baseball for the most part. Uh, so pretty much Oklahoma good at sports with names that end in ball uh good at balls. But word <laughs> on the street is that Brent Venables and company and his staff, they're not really even talking about NIL on recruit visits. Now you talk about recruiting and are into it and have no, and no more than I do about it. What's that say about Venables to you? That, on those visits, they're not even really talking about NIL. They're just talking about culture, talking about fit, and talking about other things.
0: I have two takeaways from this one. Um, first and foremost, it's not really Venable's job to promote NIL. The coach can't be directly involved. The program can't be directly involved with NIL. Um, you know, obviously, Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, they probably been the rules a little bit there. But um, as far as Oklahoma goes, they like to kind of play within the lines a little bit more than other schools uh not that they've they haven't done in the past but um, are you pooping
1: on compliance again yes yes
0: compliance is there um but it's not really at the end of the day it's not really venable's job he can't really do that he can't put together nil um as much as fans want him to do um that's going to have to be uh, like part of the collectives right so we talked about there's probably like Three collectives that are probably seriously putting something together for NIL for Oklahoma. Um, it's just not there yet. And because of that, obviously Oklahoma can't really sell the vision for it. So yes, they are behind on NIL, but also Venables can only do so much. He can't he can't put everything together.
1: Yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm really curious to see what Venables is like, especially with regards to all of these things, because you had you had almost polar opposites. I mean, even in Bob Stoops' early days as the head coach at OU, he was never really that big into recruiting. I mean, he recruited, don't get me wrong, but that was when recruiting was just in February. That was the only national signing day, and he played the long game, and he let his success on the field really just do the talking for him, and then he would be a closer. He wouldn't he was not actively a guy that was out there and all as well as this is when the era of social media was not very prominent. And so then you fast forward to, you know, 10 years later, let's say after 2003, so 2013, 2014, social media is very prominent um, and Oklahoma was way behind the times because they never really. I mean, they made a couple efforts here and there, but even Bob Stoops had a Twitter account, but you knew it was run by some staffer. <laughs> uh, they didn't it was never in his hands. And then you switch gears from Bob Stoops to a Lincoln Riley regime that was all over social media and just flooding the social uh, the socials with everything and then wondering why there are so many pissed off sooner fans at the end of the day. Anytime he speaks, it's well, you created the monster. Yeah, you created Frankenstein, bro. And also people need to know this. Frankenstein. Like Frankenstein is actually, is not the monster. Frankenstein is actually the doctor. Um, the monster is just the monster. But so <laughs> Frankenstein is Lincoln Riley. He created the monster and is like, what, what's wrong? And, and then, of course, they put out like four pieces of, I wasn't running away from the SEC. I ran to the Pac-12. Yeah. Oh, my God. No one runs to the Pac-12. It, especially if they're serious about football, right?
0: Yeah, maybe it's like, well, I'm trying to think what the Pac-12 is good at. Like Olympic sports, I think, is a big thing out there. Rowing? Other rowing. There's a lot, of, a lot of water out there. but Volleyball? Uh
1: Well, yeah, I mean, no one goes there like
0: football uh, and basketball is hit or miss in the Pac-12. Yeah. Serious power five sport. You're not running to the Pac-12. That's
1: true. That's true. Um, And as far as Venables, do you think Oklahoma especially? I mean, they're a little bit slow to the NIL game. But do you think also Oklahoma is a little bit slower to the NIL, NIL game? As far as being not necessarily they're just not up for it, but as much as they are being cautious, uh, Leo, aw- cautiously aware of what the NCAA maybe is wanting to take steps forward in doing and regulating NIL because the NCAA has already made several inquiries about this regulation of NIL because the NCAA doesn't want NIL to be viewed as coercion for players to be coerced into a university and then just be free agents after that one year. So uh, NIL should be made for players that have actually played it down. And so that is something that is possible. Do you think that is something that's also behind the scenes at uh, OU? Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's, there's no doubt that Oklahoma's watching what the NCAA does. The, the CW powers are limited in this aspect. So um as far as like what they can punish schools for i'm not not sure what that's going to look like uh they've done the inquiry into miami probably uh, probably one coming to texas a so mm-hmm. we'll see how that tennessee goes Tennessee too, the, tennessee as well so um i think they'll just wait and see you know can they is it gonna be a slap on the wrist or is it gonna be an actual punishment right and once they know that we'll see a lot more from uh, from oklahoma
1: and that's the thing i keep on thinking about is you know it oklahoma yes were they late to the nil yes but are they also slow playing it just to see what's going on also yes i think uh how much realistically though like you suggested how can nil be regulated is it is it something that you know schools can say hey you know we can offer you these incentives to come to the university. um, And if you do this, I don't know, uh, then you can earn a substantial amount of money by getting these things after a year. Or is it like, what does that even look like? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just trying to try to like figure this out in my, in my brain, how you can even regulate this with high school recruits
0: right and they've already approached was they think they approached congress about trying to put in some sort of regulation or what they could do to regulate um, nil and honestly i have no idea what they're going to do um it seems like a pandora's box thing where um, once it's opened it's open and and it's out there so i don't think there's anything going backwards as far as this so maybe they could put it in place um, you know, some sort of cap on like nil. Cap? Yeah, yeah. That's like
1: a, like or, on, it's like a salary cap at this point, right? Or built into like a
0: scholarship. I'm not exactly sure like how they're going to be able to do that. Woof.
1: Because even if even if schools are told to report how much money they're spending on nil on paper, you know, all those amounts of money are going to be falsified and not accurate. Oh yeah.
0: They're still gonna go around the rules. Yeah. The one thing I do think is gonna happen here, um, and probably in the next, I would say about three years, is you'll see those numbers start to come back down when when you put in, you know, X amount, let's say Arch Manning's getting seven figures. <laughs> let's say he doesn't even win a Big Twelve championship or an SEC championship, whatever happens with the SEC. That you know, that one million dollars to boosters, it's not gonna be a ton of money, but they can't be doing that every single season when they have Quinn Ewers, now with Arch Manning. They're dumping millions into quarterbacks. They're dumping money into the linemen. And they're not getting anything in return as far as Texas's, uh win rate. It's it's going to dip down. So they're going to start offering less to players because you just simply can't offer that amount of money each year to every cycle and not have a, at least a conference championship.
1: Texas... <sighs> All the Texas folks on the timeline today just completely blowing it up about Quinn Ewers is hilarious to me, only because – I mean, like, in Jackson Arnold has his fifth star on 247, and, you know, like, Oklahomans are like, cool. There's a softball national title going on. We can't get distracted, you know, <laughs> and that's that's what it was. But Texas – you know, they expected to get their butts beat in softball in the national title series. And then Texas had an early exit home at the hands of A&M, which OU beat twice in the men's college world series in OU's national title. And so Texas needs a pick-me-up. And so they talk about, you know, Quinn Ewers. I just think it's so amazing. And they always, always win the offseason recruiting. They always yep. win the recruiting battles. Even yeah. though they lose to Kansas. Even when they lose to Kansas, they are always up there. They have the most assets, but they cannot even manage to get themselves out of a wet paper bag. They are that inept with to the point where they have Gary Patterson holding the hand of Steve Sarkeesian <laughs> in order to make at least this team an eight to nine win team and plugging the Brian Smith podcast. I did on Monday who came on and talked to, to uh, me about Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel, which I highly recommend it. He gave a ton of insight and also crapped a lot on Texas had the same sentiment about Texas. He's like, you, they pull in the best talent every year and do have absolutely nothing with it. And Sark Sark is not the answer. Uh, I don't, I don't think he said that verbatim, but pretty sure that's kind of what he was alluding to. Uh, but it's it's just incredible. It's incredible. But talking about Dylan Gabriel, and this might be a hot take, and I, I want your I want your opinion on this. And l- let me fi- let me finish this statement before I get your opinion on it. So, is Dylan Gabriel presumably the best outspoken leader slash talent? Oklahoma has had um, at that intersection since Baker Mayfield. uh, Considering that Caleb Williams was just a true freshman, may is not an outspoken, was not necessarily an outspoken guy in the field. Sincerely, just because Lincoln Riley is on the field with them uh, as an offensive coordinator, as and as a head coach. Uh, He had to have a lot of coaching on uh, just on the fly because, I mean, he went straight from high school to college uh, and just played in those games after people booed Spencer Rattler off the field. Spencer Rattler, same situation with Lincoln Riley. You had Jalen Hurts, who did not have necessarily the ability, the throwing ability that Dylan Gabriel has, but did have leadership tendencies, but... From what I understand, and I think you understand, the team kind of like soured on a little bit. Uh, you had Kyla Murray, who is the best quarterback to ever play at the University of Oklahoma, but was not necessarily outspoken. He was a guy that led by example. And then you had Baker Mayfield, who at that intersection of leadership and talent, has talent. And was very, very outspoken in which Dylan Gabriel is also very outspoken in practice. Like from what I understand, even in spring ball, when they were having a kind of a not great practice and Levy is a box guy. We need to keep this in mind. Levy is going to be up in the box and Brent Venables is going to be busy (laughs) with, with roofing the defense. Dylan Gabriel has to be the leader. And so he would stop practice, apparently. And just say, like what are we doing? we need we need to be better and be the, like be that kind of leader for this team. And so do you think he is the best leader slash player at that intersection uh since Baker Mayfield can all things considered, or would you put him third behind maybe Kyler Murray because Kyler, although he wasn't as outspoken as Baker, probably spoke more often than i'm giving him credit for
0: yeah i think i would go baker kyler and then to do a tie between caleb williams and and dylan gabriel because Mm. if you remember that team was completely apart under spencer rattler there was no cohesion all of a sudden caleb williams comes in and everybody's gravitating to him it seems like everyone's on the same picture so um, i don't want to discount caleb williams as far as that even though he was young Um, And we won't see where that would go or that where that would have been. Um, I think he would have been a great leader for Oklahoma on the field. So Uh, but it's pretty impressive to see Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, in these workouts, kind of off the field, Um, being a guy that I mean, he doesn't really shy away from the camera at all, but he doesn't really uh, require it, I guess. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not looking for the fame, but when he's in front of it, he just seems like, you know, the coolest guy in the world. Like he wants to hang out with his teammates, his teammates love him. So, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive what he's done in a short time.
1: From what I understand. And from again, what Brian told me is that Gabriel is always a guy that's going to come to pressers. Um, is not going to be, you know, as goofy as Baker Mayfield or anything, but is always going to be a guy that's team first. He's going to be a guy that always praises his offensive linemen and his receivers way before he even takes any self-accolades, which I appreciate, which everybody else appreciates. Uh, I think that's kind of that was kind of an issue with Spencer Rattler, who is a little bit I don't want to say selfish, uh, but I mean, the man likes the spotlight. Right. Caleb Williams, uh, less of that. Kylo Murray, not, uh, you know it's tough to tell it's Kyler Murray's a superstar. I mean, like the spotlight just nat- naturally gra- gravitates on him. Uh, and so I, th- I just thought it was an interesting question to ask because he comes in and is like, I'm the quarterback. Let's organize. Let's get together. Let's go down. Cause he organized the get together of, of all these guys in Lawton. He, they, they go to Lawton, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a second, but he takes Marvin Mims, new guys in the program, Bunkley, Shelton, and Hester uh, from Arizona State and Mizzou. He gets in Jillo Farouk, Trayvon West, Daniel Parker Jr., uh, Nick Anderson, and Jaden Gibson. Of course, there's no Theo Weiss or Drake Stoops. Maybe they had scheduling conflicts. Maybe they had something to to do prior. But he took all these guys and more. You have other quarterbacks there. You have other uh, walk-ons and other receivers there. uh, Down to Lawton just to develop more consistency and uh, to develop more rapport, I suppose, with his pass catchers. What's that say to you about him?
0: It kind of echoes to what Baker Mayfield did under, um, you know, in his first couple of years at Oklahoma, obviously he was the intramural guy, but in the summer he was the one organizing the seven V sevens. You look at that 2017 season where um, they could have won the national championship. Baker Mayfield was the guy in the off season, um, you know, getting CD Lamb prepared, getting these guys, um, you know, the 7v7 reps in the summer. So uh, it kind of echoes that in a little bit of a way. I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I don't think he's the athlete that the Baker Mayfield was, or he doesn't have the uh, the intangibles, but there's a lot of
1: similarities there. That's, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. And, and I just, I just think it's interesting. I mean, he's a guy that immediately comes in because he was committed to UCLA, And then Lebs goes to OU immediately. It wasn't what an an hour or two later, immediately like Gabriel was, Oh, I'm flipping to Oklahoma uh, from UCLA, (laughs) which is quite the flip. If you're talking about, you know, UCLA, their campus is beautiful and you choose Oklahoma again. If you're serious about football, you don't go West. Uh, Some people ran up Northwest, but that's to their own we were talking about this before the podcast started. Why would Dylan Gabriel take them down to lot? Like, I, I like, it's not the fact that it's in the city of Lawton. It's just straight up. Why is he taking them to Lawton? Is it in, in like, you know, like there are public practice fields. Uh, I'm sure Norman high, Norman North would have been more than happy to be holding those practices with those guys. Do you think that the reason why the retreat was in Lauden was simply just because maybe there's a cheaper Airbnb or something down there, along with the fact that it's in Lauden, which is far away from everywhere else where cameras aren't going to be present for their kind of like get togethers slash workouts.
0: Um, you know, I've gone back and forth on this. I think that was probably Airbnb, right? That lake house that they were at. So yeah, What if it was just an NIL deal where it's like, hey, you know, spend the weekend down at my Airbnb? Obviously, I'll take care of everything, but make sure you get that in the camera kind of thing. Make sure we're advertising Mm -hmm. that that location's available. So maybe it was one of those NIL kind of deals, or maybe he just found it on the internet. It's like, hey, this looks cool. We can go spend, you know, a weekend at the lake or something like that. So, yeah. People who are from Oklahoma would probably never go to Lawton. (laughs) Sorry about that, but it's just not that great of a place. But, uh, people from you know Hawaii, they don't know Lawton. They don't know what Lawton is. They just see it on the map. It's like, okay, there's a lake there.
1: They get a good school. cameras pretty, pretty good, pretty good. But one of the one of the things I, I noticed about Dylan Gabriel is this, and I don't know if this is intentional. I don't know if this is just a thing or if I'm just making things up. The man is in the back of almost every picture that's always being taken. If it's a group picture, Uh, offensive line, wide receivers, the units on the offense, he's typically in the middle, but always in the back. To me, that resonates as far as he's a leader, he's in the middle, but wants his guys in front of him to be represented. But at the same time, am I just making this up in my brain as me wanting to root for Dylan Gabriel?
0: um you might be going with a little bit of sports psychology but you might be making it up too i think there's something to it i don't think it's a, a huge thing but obviously maybe it's a subconscious thing It's hey let's get these guys in front of the camera this is who's making it all happen i'm just kind of the the guy in the middle
1: yeah because he's the one getting all the videos pu- published about him so it makes sense for all those photo ops for him to be in the back with everybody out in front and uh yeah, so I, I could be wearing my tin foil hat right now. I don't know, but it's it's certainly interesting. And so Gabriel's gonna be that leader on the field because Levy is going to be in the box. Um, this is the first time Oklahoma has had a box coordinator since I mean hypo was in the box. No, hypo hypo was in the box, yes. Um I can't even remember he may, have, he may have shifted around a little bit. It's been it's been a it's been a minute. Um, uh, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how comfortable are you with Dylan Gabriel being that leader on the field as an extension of Jeff Lebby because Lebby's not on the sideline barking out what they what they want?
0: I'm pretty comfortable with it because he knows Lebby's system. He's been around Lebby. If this is a guy like, uh, you know, worst case scenario, like Nick Evers or someone like that, I think you maybe put an assistant up there and bring bring Levy back down just so he can be a part of the conversations mm-hmm. going on, on the sideline. But, I mean, Dylan Gabriel seems to know the offense. He seems to be pretty comfortable within it. Um, so I don't think it's a big deal that Levy's up there.
1: So he had to put a number on it. One being like, I'm super uncomfortable. 10 being, I'm a cool as a cucumber. Where are you at as far as Dylan Gabriel leading that? Uh, eight, 8.5, somewhere on there. So pretty comfortable pretty confident that's pretty unique because dylan gabriel is number eight on the roster so that kind of fits there you go i was also gonna say eight and leaning towards nine because he's played in that offense and when i asked brian from i keep on plugging that but it was a great podcast uh from sports illustrated he mentioned about the the tight end situation at ucf he was like straight up ucf just doesn't have t- doesn't have tight ends <laughs> he was like, that's why they don't, they didn't use them at, at UCF because they didn't even have tight ends. Um, all right. With the addition of Mattower, McKay Mctower uh, from Cal and Jerry Schmidt, Oklahoma is definitely getting more physical and more agile. I don't want to say more, uh, faster, but they are certainly getting quicker, uh, in their quick twitch motions in the trenches, I'm trying to keep myself from buying stock on the offensive line, but it's hard not to when you hear that there is a lot of progress being made in comparison to previous years. Where are you at? Are you buying stock in this offensive line right now, or is this a wait and see approach till that Nebraska game when they're going to go three yards in a cloud of dust and see what happens?
0: I think I'm still in the waiting line for that. I think there's some room to be excited about the offensive line just because they're not in a P90X program anymore. Um, they're doing an no actual yoga, strength and no training. No yoga, for three days. None of that. It, it's serious weight training. It's, it's all about football. So
1: Daniel Parker said he couldn't even move his legs yesterday. The other day,
0: <sighs> I want to send. I want to send. Like, what's one media member you would send to go, go do one workout with Schmitty?
1: Uh. Mm. oklahoma media yeah so unrecognizable um do i choose ones that would survive no they can they can perish mm.
0: like trape for <laughs> that i'd send
1: dean blevins just to see what happens oh no he'd probably forget forget it even happened this man would show up in cargo shorts and maybe some sketchers 100 percent Oh
0: man. Hey, Dino's getting up there, but let's not hit his style too much. But uh, yeah, this offensive line, I'm pretty comfortable with the middle of it. Um, it's the tackle spot where I kind of have some questions and and I want to see, you know, does Juan A. Morris kind of put it together? Does Anton Harrison put it together? Fair. Um maybe like a Tyler Guyton. Can he get can he bulk up enough to play offensive tackle this season? So I'm still um, I'm still curious about are. Chris
1: Murray too, right? Because they have a lot of they have four guys, three spots in the center of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Because you have you have Mattower, you've got conjol slash rame, and you have Murray. And and so you're like, okay, one of these guys maybe can play tackle. Or do you just like rotate in and out between Ray and conjol or or what? Like like that, that's 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 the difficult thing for me is you have four guys in three spots and none of them transferred, which tells me they all think they're gonna get some sort of playing time.
0: Yeah. And Murray, to his credit, he's shown flashes of being very serviceable and there goes the
1: dog. So love dogs. <laughs> let, me, let me shut this door real quick. The dogs are out. Um, it's in speaking of the dogs are out. Uh, this is aside from the podcast, but um, I, I'm Steven, I'm, I'm talking about the dogs are out, and I and I, I want to know if you know this. The song, are you familiar with Who Let the Dogs the Out by the Bahaman? Yeah, did you know that song is strictly about who let the ugly women out at the club? Oh man, because I like, listened
0: to that when I was like eight.
1: Yeah, it was I thought fun. it was like it the was, coolest song. It was a fun song. They even made an OU national title song out of it. Like <laughs> Who Let the Sooners Out? Oh, well that was you. about sugar. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Um, but yeah, the 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 Baja men, they're they're like, Hey, you know, the party was jumping, and then they're like, Who let the dogs out? Because the song is actually about ugly women at the club. So if you don't know now, you know. So that's also another song. Well,
0: fun facts with with Kamiar there, so uh, yeah, but Chris Murray, I think the biggest thing for him is just consistency, or consistency. Um, you know, a guy that can obviously play guard, but commits a lot of penalties. So I think that's his biggest flaw, is just can he remain on the field and not hurt this offense?
1: With no ag- penalties. I would agree. I mean, again, they just have a lot of guys up there. And, of course, Bill Bow by that Texas game, per usual, is... Will they figure it out by that Texas game? And with Jerry Schmidt in the fold, I'm more apt to believe they will figure it out quicker, um, as the offensive line also gets their butts whipped into shape a lot faster than doing yoga two or three times a week or p ninety x or whatever. Um, now that Dylan Edwards has finally committed to Kansas State after, Hicks. Jack's pledged biggest to fear. OU. Yeah. Jack's biggest fear of another water bug running back going to Kansas state. It feels like a locket going to Kansas state again. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, does this directly link OU to Snyder and smothers? Uh,
0: smothers more so than Snyder. I think Snyder is probably the plan B in the situation. Um, if things with smothers don't work out, but um, I think, it's going to be Dylan Smothers eventually. He just got done with, I believe, his uh, North Carolina visit. So he may shut down his recruitment here in about a couple weeks. And
1: Smothers um, is an East Coast kid. Isn't he a Carolina kid?
0: Yeah, he's pretty familiar. Because Clemson, um, there's a lot of relationships there. So um, they know the area. They identified him. They, he's a guy that is very talented, very fast. Um, so he fits, you know, that one, two punch with Hicks, you know, you got a little bit of thunder, you got a little bit of lightning. So I think they'll, they'll close on Smothers if if nothing else changes between this now and about three weeks.
1: And Smothers is uh, another four-star running back. So kudos to DeMarco Murray for holding that down while the regime change was <laughs> happening. Holy crap. Like talk about a job, a hell of a job he's been doing. Uh, speaking of North Carolina, Trey Morrison, I reached out to, our SB nation affiliate over at North Carolina, just to ask about Trey Morrison, who's coming in from North Carolina as a grad transfer. And I was like, Hey, you know, like what, what, what are we to expect about Morrison? Um, and basically the rundown I was given was Morrison's natural position is Nickelback. However, he is like another Trey as in Trey Norwood, where, Swiss Army knife dude played everywhere, but only as a means of what was going on in the secondary at that time. So, like there might be an injury here, there might be you know a guy suspended there, and so you had to have Trey Morrison play and learn a variety of positions, and it really depended upon a guy with like one of the ultimate names that I've I've seen in a while Storm Duck. That is a cool <laughs> name. I don't care who you are. That is a cool name for a person. Um, But Storm Duck got injured as a defensive back from North Carolina. So he said Trey Morrison's played pretty much everywhere, uh, but primarily Nickelback, which I expected once he was going to be on campus. But speaking of recruiting... OU's been living in the Denton area, specifically Denton-Geyer prospects. Already has OU has already secured the commitment of Jackson Arnold, who's a five-star on two-four-seven. He's a four-star pretty much everywhere else, but this is before this season is being played. They're after two defensive backs from Denton-Denton-Geyer. Uh, uh, you have Peyton Bowen, a Notre Dame commit, and then now you have LSU commit Ryan Yates. Is Oklahoma seriously in on either of these guys, or do you expect Oklahoma to nab at least one of these guys, or no?
0: With Bowen, it seems to fluctuate every week. I think his commitment to Notre Dame has kind of solidified more over this past couple weeks than, than people want to admit. So uh, OU might be kind of behind Notre Dame in that. I think they're still in it. As long as he's with Jackson Arnold, they're going to have a chance up to signing day. To try to flip that commitment, it's just gonna be more of a hurdle than people probably previously anticipated. Uh, with Yates, it's a little early, um, but I don't see LSU's not really recruiting at a, a high clip right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of questions with Brian Kelly and how that's gonna work. Um, so not, we'll see. It doesn't seem like it's year. you're recruiting the the LSU of 2018 or 2019 or one of those those uh, those high end classes. So. Uh, Oklahoma's got a chance. Obviously, they're very familiar with Denton, um, Denton Ryan, Denton Geyer. So uh, we'll see how that develops over the next couple of weeks and if they can get in the door there.
1: And, and that's the thing, because Oklahoma just lost a defensive back kind of recruitment to Oregon after losing Ashton Cozart to Oregon. And so Oregon's been really, really, really pushing the pedal on NIL, whereas OU hasn't. And so that's kind of like why I'm asking this, so those sort of questions, especially earlier regarding NIL. Why Oklahoma is a little bit slow to the game, but also slow playing the game. If we're being well, quite they don't
0: honest. have Tosh Tosh Lapoy running the that's table. So true.
1: And so this, it, so going on with it, it feels like a three-star player, but five-star heart kind of class until the middle of the season. Um, as there will be a light on OU and Texas prior to their jumps to the SEC, do you expect things to change as the season goes along, um, uh, without much emphasis on nil, like specifically to recruiting as players see what o u is about under this under this new regime offensively and defensively?
0: Yeah, I think I'm, I can't really speak for Texas, but for Oklahoma. There's going to be more of an emphasis on pushing for commitments. Um, we've kind of known it for a while that Oklahoma's not going to push for a commitment early. They're going to let these guys do their official visits, um, and then kind of make the decision from there. Because as far as Oklahoma wants, once you're committed, they don't want you going on visits. They want you locked in, um, ready to sign, and ready to show up to to play. So um, in the fall, once you know a lot of more recruits get their official visits done you'll see Oklahoma become far more aggressive.
1: Oh, that reminds me of what's-his-face-at-wide receiver, the one that got replaced by Hollywood. Uh Jalen Rager. Rager. Yeah. Rager could have been really, really special at OU if he had spent four years there. Um, But, I mean, which would you rather take, four years of Jalen Rager or two years of Hollywood Brown? <sighs> That's tough. I think I would still go... Go Hollywood, because there's just I a would, really nice compliment between no, him would, and yeah. Ceedee Lamb. That's an easy. That's an that's an easy one, right? I mean, no, you you can't coach. You can't coach that kind of speed. Yeah. Point blank, but, you can't. You know, Jalen Rager was a really, really good <laughs> he was college a player. So he was when he had a good quarterback, anyways, which wasn't <laughs> necessarily the case at TCU. And so, my follow up question to all that is: Would it be more beneficial for OU to stay? in the big 12 until the granted rights is up to kind of recover off, off not defensively because defensively, they haven't really had any issues with turnover, recruiting, etc. It's the offensive side of the ball with Jeff Levy's offense, even though Jeff Levy's offense has been proven to, they have a proven track record of putting up points and putting a lot of guys in positions for success. Would it be more beneficial for OU to stay in the Big 12 until their grant of rights is up to recover from players lost after the Riley regime exit, or do you think it's okay just to dive right into the SEC after this year or after next year?
0: The thing about this question is, I don't think Oklahoma is just going to walk into the SEC and just get demolished, even if they brought this roster in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Alabama's on another level. LSU is kind of hit or miss. Georgia's on another level, but after that, Florida. I mean, they sometimes have really good seasons and championships, but other times they're just a pretty mediocre team. Uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State will sometimes catch fire, but that's, you know, once every five, six, seven years. So um, I don't think there's like that many juggernauts in the SEC, not named Alabama and Georgia. That's true. I mean, so, but... They're to your crazy. question, I think it would be more beneficial for Oklahoma to stay in the Big Twelve, build up their offensive line, um, get those body types developed, give them you know one or two years in the the Big Twelve, and then switch over instead of just bringing in some some Benny Wiley guys into the SEC. That just that might not work as well.
1: What if they stayed this coming year and the next year, and then exited just one year early? Would you that feel would a work. lot better? Yeah. I mean, 2025, it seems that far away, but it's really not that far away. It really isn't. I mean, like, especially when you consider the new NCAA football game is coming out next July, which I'm just like kind of foaming at the mouth about because I want to know what it's going to look like. And I feel like I'm just going to be really deeply disappointed if we're being quite honest, because that's kind of how you'll probably be disappointed. Yeah, that's kind of how EA Sports kind of works. Right now, I've got a game of this or that. So I'm going to offer you two. Kind of visions, um, and then we can talk about you know which one you prefer, and then which one you actually think happens if it happens at all or if it doesn't happen. Um, so I have three. This first one is this: Oklahoma plays in the conference championship game and loses, or Oklahoma has a rocky beginning to the season, uh, specifically probably conference play, but finishes really really strong with no conference championship game? Um, Which one are you taking first?
0: I'll take the first one. I think getting to the conference championship game. Uh, obviously, when you do it so much, it kind of doesn't seem like there's much value in it, but um, recruiting in and, a and national perspective, just getting to that game is still important.
1: Which one do you think actually happens, if at all? I think they'll make it to the, the conference championship
0: game. Do you I think, think they they're, they're good enough? They're more talented than a lot of teams in the big 12. Uh, will they win? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll give it like a 50, 50. I
1: mean, it's too, it's too early to even talk about that. Really? We haven't seen it'll be, play it. It'll now. be more of like a,
0: how fast is this team mature and, and what's the matchup? Do they get? So, yeah,
1: no, I agree. And so I, I would <laughs> say, I would say the same thing. I would say I prefer Oklahoma ghost, the the conference championship game, because, That still solidifies Oklahoma as like, hey, listen, you just had this dude leave, take pretty much a lot of offensive firepower and other guys dispersed and you're still there. You're still at the top of the league. And the other team, I'm assuming might be Texas or might not be Texas. It just depends. Yeah, it it just depends because, you know, Dave Aranda and Baylor. I mean, jeez. I don't know what Dave Aranda is doing down there in Waco, but it's something special on defense offensively. That's something to be seen, Um, but they're getting better and they're going to be really interesting to play against BYU in the next iteration of the big 12, which will be pretty intriguing. So, but you know, yeah, I I agree. I'm going to go with the first one and I think it's likely the first one actually happens. Um, I, I don't don't know if they're, again, like you said, the matchup, don't know. I don't know about other teams. I mean, Oklahoma State, their defense, after their coordinator left, a lot of those dudes left. Their offense, they were already graduating a ton of talent. They have Spencer Sanders and Jaden Bray coming back and a couple couple other pieces, but it's nothing to really take home. Iowa State pretty much lost a ton of dudes. Texas always has the talent, but like I said earlier, can't get themselves out of a wet paper bag. Next one is this. Oklahoma has 2,000 rushing yards, or Dylan Gabriel has at least 3,500 passing yards.
0: As much as I want to see 2,000 rushing yards, I'm going to go with Gabriel at 3,500 because um, I think there's this this national stigma out there that Oklahoma won't be... Won't be good at quarterback. They won't be good at offense without Lincoln Riley, and, and that's just not true. They've done it uh, time and time again. Obviously with Sam Bradford, Landry Jones. You could even put in that conversation. Had a really good career at Oklahoma, despite not winning much as far as a championship. So um, I'll go with with thirty five hundred yards. I think it shows that the Oklahoma is here to stay at the quarterback race, but also their offense
1: is very potent. Mm. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Oklahoma has 2000 rushing yards just because I think that Oklahoma is going to go deep so often that there are going to be a lot of coverages, umbrella coverages that are going to allow Oklahoma to have one-on-one matchups with a hat on a hat. And you're going to basically force Javante Barnes and or Eric gray, just to beat one linebacker or one safety and it could be an instant 30 to the house from there. Um, and, and that's 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 kind of the realization of what this offense is. Even in talking to uh, Stephen Willis at uh, Locked On Ole Miss, he said the same thing that, uh, as Brian Smith did, if the DBs are pressing, Oklahoma's going over the top. And that's going to loosen up that defense. That's going to loosen up that coverage. And you're going to see a lot of running downhill um into where games where Oklahoma might throw the ball for for you know 250 yards which is not that much in comparison to what they've done previously but might end up running the ball that day for 300 um or Oklahoma might have you know 160 on the ground but have 500 through the year it's just a, a means of what the defense is gonna do um and so really Dave Aranda and John Haycock are two dudes that are to watch for here but I'm going with Oklahoma two thousand rushing yards. I'm really curious, especially with Dylan Gabriel, who is definitely mobile and I think they'll use in the QB run game, but not as often just because I think they aren't necessarily trustworthy of what Davis bevel or major booty is a uh, general booty, not major booty uh major he isn't he, which one is which major is is lower than general yes, on the military ranking I don't know general I think is at the very top oh general's at the top so like. He's not general president or something. General Axel Booty. Major yeah, so he, he ranks up there. Yeah. I watched Major Pain the other day. I mean, would you rather have him named Major Booty or General Booty? Um, I think
0: General Booty sounds better.
1: Yeah, general because you can Booty. you
0: can get an NIL deal with a general. Yeah, with, with Shaq.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you seen the picture of how big his hands are? Not Shaq, but General.
0: Shaq's hands are pretty big too, but yeah, I saw that picture. That's uh, wild. Pointed that I'm not. It was a Gabe biker that pointed it out or something? Yeah, like like it that. wraps
1: around almost the entire football. It's like, good grief! Oh, well, now I know we know how he got his name. Like, okay, anyways, <laughs> um, this or that. Oklahoma averages 38 points per game, uh, or the defense averages two takeaways per game. I'll
0: go with the two takeaways because that tells me that the defense has a, a has overcome that learning curve pretty quick, essentially. Um, I think the biggest question going in is not not necessarily overall talent because there is talent left on this defensive side of the ball. It's can they learn a playbook and can they do it in you know seven, eight months? So um, they have two takeaways that tells me that there's been serious work put in over the offseason.
1: Which one do you prefer? You still prefer the two takeaways?
0: I'll go with the two takeaways.
1: All right. I'll say the one that actually happens is a 38 points per game because this offense is designed to put up 45, 50 point points a game. That's just what this offense is, that is designed to do, and I think Oklahoma has the personnel to do that, especially when you have a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel that throws a beautiful deep ball. That's been the common consensus when I've talked to a ton of dudes, um, you know, Sports Illustrated, Brian Smith, Jason Bede uh, from the Orlando Sentinel said really fun, beautiful deep ball, especially um, in, in when he's when he's got great pass pro and he's mobile. Just a really fun quarter, fun quarterback. I think he puts up 38 points per game at least, but I would prefer the two takeaways because that makes Dylan Gabriel's life so much more. Oh, I I'm,
0: I'm misunderstood. Yeah, I, th- I do think the 38 happens more likely. Okay. But I would prefer the two takeaways.
1: 100%. I I mean, I I agree with that. I mean, like, like in into your point, I agree. Yeah, if they're getting two takeaways per game, that means they're getting pressure. And that also means they're playing Brent Venable's defense. And that means that that learning curve, like you suggested, is going along pretty nicely for that defense. All right. Getting out of this game of this, that, going to the most underrated and just something that I thought of because there have been a lot of players that have come through Norman from the last 10 years. So I'm just going to go through the last 10 years. So 2012. In the last 10 years, who is the most underrated sooner that nobody really talks about in your opinion? Underrated. Like he's played a bit, but isn't talked about.
0: How about uh, we'll go back to 2012. We'll go as far as possible. Let's go with Justin Brown. The wide receiver, the transfer from Penn, Penn State. State. Uh, what was he like? Six three. He's like the last big receiver that Oklahoma. Yeah, six three, uh, maybe six four. And I think he had almost nine hundred yards that season that he played for yeah, Oklahoma. He, so
1: he was pivotal, especially uh, in that Bedlam game.
0: Yep. So that's that's the last time I can remember Oklahoma outside of like maybe you could throw CD Lame in that category where they mm-hmm. had a tall go-to wide receiver that can they can come
1: down with the ball. And he was in the return game, too. He returned punts, didn't he? I think he returned a punt. I don't think he did the kicks, though. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think he did kicks either. I think, I think he returned punts. But still, no, that, that is a good one. I didn't even think... See, that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't even think about him. A guy that I think about, qu- about quite often, uh, who I think had off-the-field issues that caused a lot of on-the-field stuff, is Charles Walker. I think that if Charles Walker had been in a defensive scheme that was either Alex Grinch or even Brent Venables, his career would be much different than what he experienced under Mike Stoops. And the man got a concussion prior to the damn first playoff game with Clemson in those bowl practices uh, and didn't get to play. Uh, I could say the same thing for Stephen for Stephen Parker, who would have been pretty awesome under again under Grinch or under Brent Venables, uh, but definitely Charles Walker is a guy that I think about quite often that could have been something really special, but never really materialized because of issues really off the field. Um, tell me about tell me about buildings. You said. You, you teased us a little bit last podcast when we were all on what's what's going on with OU facilities
0: i didn't all there obviously they announced the the projects with softball and baseball um there is still something going on with football out there i just didn't get it get to it this week but i'm pushing for it uh next week and obviously uh the bud is getting taken down so that gives it away a little bit but i think there'll be a lot more to it
1: so not retrofit just rebuild the entire thing.
0: Yeah, they're taking it down. Okay. That's interesting.
1: Uh, and something for next next podcast or the podcast after, just just throwing it out there. Um there is a former defensive back, everybody's familiar with, he put the horns down on national TV when committing to OU, uh Jeremiah cradell He mentioned that he was super intrigued by coming on the podcast because I mean, I want to get your opinion Uh, Because I reached out to him. I thought, man, this guy committed to Mike Stoops, I believe, right? Didn't Cradell commit to Mike Stoops?
0: Uh, I believe so.
1: Played under Alex Grinch. And, of course, because of the nature of concussions, had to kind of step away from the game. But is now in a coaching role uh, as an assistant at OU under Brent Venables. So I kind of want to know his recruitment story with Mike Stoops. I kind of want to know his experience with Alex Grinch. And then I want to know what it's been like on the other side going through Stoops, Grinch, and then you have Venables. I want to know what the differences are between each of these three coaches because you know each of these three are super different. Like, just in the way they approach the game, their X's and O's, and how they talk to their players. And yeah, so I'm he, just really intrigued.
0: It'll be interesting because it's, it's such a, a weird journey going from, I think, I think his DB's coach would have been Kerry Cooks. hmm mm-hmm. Or at least what he was recruited for. But, I mean, his his top three, I think, were Oklahoma, Oregon, and Alabama. Yeah. So that's that's quite a decision especially coming from modern day, which is just a powerhouse program out there in
1: California. So Do you count Ruffin as one of his as one of his defensive coordinators?
0: No. <laughs> no. I was I was gonna try to say yes, but I couldn't hold it together. But I, mean, yeah, Ruffin, no. I think he was sleeping <laughs> in the press box when Trey Brown uh got that safety on Ellinger. It's incredible. Like yeah. they had to wake him up,
1: it's like, hey, you know, it happened. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. But that's and so and he's interested in coming on the podcast and obviously we're gonna to try to make that happen. Just got a little bit of red tape just because he is an athlete slash coach and it's a little bit weird these days. Um So, but other than that, that's all I have. You have anything else, Stephen?
0: Uh, join the Discord. We are talking about uh, I think we're the biggest thread right now. is Oklahoma City Thunder at the moment, but uh, we should have recruiting spark up again here in July. So
1: sounds good to me and I will put that discord link in the bio so check that out and also check us out at crimsonandcreammachine.com um, there's things on there daily uh, there's a lot of stuff even even the breaking team merch store that there's a lot of softball stuff on there uh, there's also uh, some football stuff on there as well uh, as far as merch goes you can follow us on twitter at ccmachine you can follow uh, Jack, who's not with us today at J. Larry Shields, you can follow me at Km and CCM. You can follow Steven at OU updated SB. Again, thank you guys for listening so much. We appreciate you guys. And we'll check you guys later.